My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Mary Kelly and Alex Bestas. It's a bit of a simplification but you can break public policy approaches related to drugs into two broad categories. One of those approaches recognizes that to the extent that there needs to be public policy intervention related to drug use, it's in a way that focuses on health. Supporting measures that reduce the harms that people experience, providing supports and services related to addictions to people who want them, and not just services that take an abstinence approach, and enacting the kinds of broader agenda that would enable people to live healthy, just lives in healthy, just communities. The other approach puts drug use in the realm of the criminal legal system. It responds to drugs, or at least the subset of drugs that elites have decided to target, with policing and imprisonment. Critics have pointed out that this quote-unquote drug war approach is ineffective in its ostensible goal of reducing the use of the drugs that it criminalizes, but it is very effective at causing harm, most directly to drug users themselves, but also to broader communities of people who don't necessarily use drugs, but who are already targeted by policing, namely people who are black, indigenous, otherwise racialized, homeless, sex workers, and or gender nonconforming. In Canada, since at least the 1990s, there has been increasing deployment of rhetoric and, in certain respects, policy that centers a health approach, often in response to organizing by drug users and their allies. However, as important as some of those measures have been for keeping people safe, the bedrock of the Canadian state's orientation to drugs remains criminalization. Canadian Students for a Sensible Drug Policy, or CSSDP, is a grassroots advocacy organization that's been working on these issues since 2007. They bring together students and youth concerned about the harmful impacts of existing drug policies, and they advocate for evidence-based policy that centers health and harm reduction. The organization has around 18 local chapters, most of which are located on a university campus, and some of which encompass an entire city. It has a national board that supports the work of the chapters, does fundraising and outreach, organizes an annual conference, is working on a podcast, and engages in policy advocacy at the national and international levels. And currently, the national board also manages a funded project related to harm reduction-based education for youth about cannabis. Much of the CSSDP's advocacy work happens in collaboration with allied organizations. Since the start of the pandemic, a lot of their energy has gone into things like supporting calls to defund the police, and local campaigns against punitive regulations related to cannabis use on university campuses, which in many cases are still in place despite legalization. Over the years, probably the most consistent theme in CSSDP's advocacy has been decriminalization, moving away from state responses that criminalize, particularly for simple possession and use, and towards a focus on health, not only in rhetoric and in specific areas of policy, but throughout the public policy realm and across levels of government in Canada. Mary Kelly is an undergraduate student at the University of British Columbia, and she's a national board member of CSSDP. Alex Bestas works at a health research centre focused on substance use, and they're the international liaison for CSSDP. 
While both strongly agree with the importance of decriminalization, they also have their own individual thoughts about priorities for change in drug policy in Canada. Kelly, for instance, is quite involved in frontline harm reduction work, and she feels that getting police out of anything to do with that work is crucial. And she also wants advocates to do more to listen to and center Indigenous knowledge and practices. And Bestos believes that it's vital that we recognize not only the harms that current Canadian drug policies do to people in this country, but that we see those policies as part of, quote, an international regime of violence, end quote. They continued, quote, There are so many people in the Global South who are negatively impacted by our drug laws and the drug laws that we enforce on them, end quote. I speak with Kelly and Bestos about drug-related public policy in Canada and about the work of Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy to make it better. My name's Mary. I'm based out in Vancouver. I'm on the board for Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy. I do a lot of work in my community with harm reduction and health equity too. And I've been doing that for maybe over like a year or so. I'm from New Zealand originally, and I think coming from there, there's a huge lack of drug education and just talk about drug use and, and knowledge in that sense. And I think I moved here and was sort of like, I don't want to say enlightened, but there was so much more to explore and to learn. And I became very invested in helping and using my privilege to be able to provide resources and harm reduction for people in the downtown east side. I've always wanted to like let people know they deserve to take up space. And that passion led me to joining CSSDP and other organizations within Vancouver and Canada to help promote better policies for drug use. I think just my own experience and seeing how it's failed people back home and how it's failing people here, it just sort of pushed me, I guess, to become very involved <laughs> on a community level. My name's Alex. I'm the international representative for Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy. I've been involved with CSSDP since 2012 when I went to Simon Fraser University. And yeah, I've been doing harm reduction work in Vancouver, as well as drug policy stuff and now drug research for the past several years. The way that I got involved, um, it's kind of a funny story. I like to refer to it as I started out as a problematic psychedelic bro. When I was in high school, I was really interested in 1960s counterculture. I used to like go and sit at the Toronto Reference Library reading through like old books by various authors that were famous at the time. And I started going to raves when I was living in Toronto and in high school, which was the area where I first got to experience harm reduction and also be around lots of folks using drugs and seeing how communities can take care of each other. I got to university. I already wanted to join CSSDP. I was trying to find a CSSDP chapter, and there happened to be one at SFU campus. So I got involved through there. And then I joined the national board, I believe, in 2014. And it's kind of shifted over time from at first being this kind of, man, why are these psychedelics illegal? Like they're trying to control our minds, kind of high school thinking to seeing drug law as this form of international, but also national systemic violence that causes a lot of harm and creates a lot of justifications for harm towards various different groups of people. So Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy is a grassroots organization. It's primarily a chapter-based organization out of universities. So CSSDP has, I believe it's 17 chapters right now, and they're all based out of either like a city or off of a university campus. And the goal of the organization is to bring sensible drug policy and sensible drug reform issues to light, both from the perspective of youth, as well as from students, with the goal of ultimately reforming our bad drug laws. 
So what are those bad drug laws? What is Canada's current approach to drug policy and what's wrong with it? The current Canadian drug policy approach is this contradictory understanding of substances and what they are. It mixes both like a punitive and a public health approach simultaneously trying to deal with drugs and the fact that people take them. It's weird to think of, but Canada's come a long way in the last 40 years. And it now feels like Canada's a pretty progressive country relative to other countries when it comes to drug policy. Like you look at the United States and you're like, well, like, you know, at least we're not locking up such a huge percentage of our population. But Canada's historically had very punitive drug policy. And this mentality that people who use drugs deserve to be in prison kind of runs through the current of how we think about drugs and how we talk about drugs within Canadian society. That's the main problem, I would say, with the current Canadian approach. On the one hand, it recognizes that problematic substance use or substance use disorder is a health issue, while simultaneously having laws in place which treat it like it's a criminal issue. What CSSDP tries to do is point out these inconsistencies and how they actually need to be changed and how they harm specific groups, particularly Indigenous people, people of color, and in other ways, how they can harm women as well as LGBTQ people. Yeah, in theory, they address drug use as this health issue, but then they execute it like a criminal issue. The culture around how we treat people who use drugs and the environment and the factors that go into drug use, it's all a very individualistic level. The way I've heard people address drug use is always like, oh, it's, it's a health issue. But then when it comes down to it, they have no issue blaming the use on the person itself and not the wider society and the factors that play into that. So it's a very hypocritical approach to this issue. I guess they think if we treat it like a criminal thing, it's not going to exist. And they refuse to acknowledge that drug use is going to exist regardless of whatever policies and laws we have in place. They just don't want to change that because people benefit from these punitive policies and keeping these in place would allow for a lot more, I guess, social control. And it's just an easy way to deal with what people view as surplus communities, unfortunately. Canada talks a big talk. We have our health ministers telling us that drug use is a public health issue or it's a health issue. It's not a criminal issue. And at the same time, we have penalties that include incarceration for people who use drugs. And this isn't a new phenomena. You can look back at House of Commons debates, even in the 1990s when Canada was enacting its current drug law, the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, where you have the deputy health minister, I believe, talking about how drug use is a health issue. It's not a criminal issue. And the opposition is arguing, saying, well, if it's a health issue, not a criminal issue, why do we have penalties that are associated with the act of possession of drugs? There's a contradiction in language, but I think ultimately the government has just decided that it ultimately is a criminal issue and, you know, maybe it's partially a health issue. But I think if your main priority is incarceration, then I don't know how you could possibly say that it's a health issue, not a criminal issue. What are the origins of the CSSDP? CSSDP is the sister organization, we could say, of another student drug movement based out of the United States called Students for Sensible Drug Policy, SSDP. In 2007, SSDP and some of their funders were looking to create a Canadian version of SSDP. And so they met up with Tara Lyons, who eventually became the executive director, I believe, of CSSDP, or is one of the co-founders. 
And there's a cute, funny story of them driving across the country, you know, going to various university campuses, trying to set up CSSDP chapters. And then they had their first conference and slowly over time, they kind of became their own independent organization. What are some of the organization's core activities, say, starting on the national level? On a national level, we focus with different committees, which focus on different areas within drug policy and harm reduction. We do things from different campaigns regarding bills, naloxone campaigns too. And we do a lot of toolkits too and like education for youth. Underneath CSSDP, we have like a funded campaign and educational toolkit called Get Sensible, in which the point is to focus on educating and providing resources about cannabis knowledge for youth from youth. We also do activity like we're currently working on a podcast, which is really great, exciting stuff. I guess a lot of activities that focus on spreading knowledge to students and youth around such punitive drug policies that are happening in Canada and on a local level too, you know, things that we see in different provinces. The National Board, its goals are primarily to help support the local chapters, but also work and collaborate on national campaigns, things that like individual chapters might not have the capacity to do, as well as try and connect youth and students that use drugs and students that are against prohibition with the larger international community of youth and students that use drugs, as well as partnering with various other Canadian drug policy organizations to work on projects that they're coordinating. So we work quite a bit with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, for one. Other people that we work with, the Canadian HIV Legal AIDS Network, CDPE, and I guess the goal is for the national board to help like advocate on a national level for student and youth inclusion within those conversations, as well as creating campaigns of our own. And if we went from the national level down to the grassroots, most people on the board have either been part of a chapter or used to be like their chapter lead. The chapters have relative autonomy in terms of whatever projects they want to do. So during the pandemic, a lot of them have really like stepped up and done a lot of work around talking about like defunding the police, changing punitive cannabis laws on university campuses, which you would think after legalization would not be a thing that needs to be worked on, but you'd be surprised as well as doing other projects such as working with their university to try and set up drug checking services, not just for students, but also for the broader community so that folks can get their drugs tested, particularly in a time where we have such a volatile drug supply. I'm in the Vancouver UBC chapter and we do a lot of panels too. We try to get in speakers from all areas in this field. Like we just did one about policing. We did some about cannabis and the roles that police go into drug use and enforcement around that. We want to be able to connect on like a local level to educate students and what's happening in that community. And UBC, the Vancouver chapter, there were a few mentions of trying to change campus policies around cannabis use. That's a very ongoing thing now. It's difficult to approach topics like that. How does CSSDP connect with students and youth around these issues? There's a lot of campaigns that we do to inform like a select demographic or, or area, things such as like the podcast project and other campaigns that are really great to just, yeah, target people who aren't part of CSSTP and to introduce them into this world and into this knowledge of drug policy that they may not have had before. And I think Get Sensible, the project under CSSTP, that's a really great one too that we've been doing to inform people who aren't aware about cannabis use and knowledge and tools with that. Our chapters do a lot of work relatively autonomously. 
we have a lot of trust and support in our chapters in terms of doing that kind of direct outreach to get people involved. I'm mostly stuck now because we're in the pandemic and the pandemic has really shifted the way that you can do organizing or that outreach. I remember when I was a chapter leader and we would do things like we had a 420 bake sale. This is before cannabis was legal. So this was back in like 2012, 2013 where we had a little table set up where we were giving out baked goods to people and then moved outside to do like a 420. I don't even smoke weed, but I love the idea of this campaign at the very least. Go outside and like smoke right in the big heart of SFU where everyone's kind of walking by. So doing events like those can be really effective outreach. Movie nights are forms of outreach as well. There are ways that our chapters engage their local communities and get folks interested and involved who might not necessarily want to spend their time being involved with CSSCP, but would like to learn more about drugs and drug reform and harm reduction, those kind of things. What are maybe two or three of the key reforms that CSSTP has pushed for in recent years? One of the big things I think with CSSTP from my experience being on the board so far, big push in decriminalization. I think that's the basic level when it comes to work in this field. Because I think with decriminalization and legalization, I guess it gives space for a lot of better like rehabilitation and support of people who are using drugs. Yeah, decriminalization has been a staple of CSSTP's policy position and one that we've been trying to push forward over the past couple of years. Also, a lot of our work is centered around actually getting youth to the table in order to talk about substances as well. Independently, some of our members have worked on a local decrim campaigns. Kira, our chair, for example, has worked on getting Montreal to support decriminalization. I think those have been our main focuses as a national organization as well as things like getting access to drug checking and drug checking services for people who use drugs. Safe supply is, I think, one of the things that a lot of drug policy organizations push for. And for folks that don't know, safe supply is basically giving people who use drugs access to regulated drugs through the medical system rather than having them have to buy them off the street. But I wouldn't say that's been a CSSDP policy push itself recently. Tell me more about why decriminalization of drugs is so important and what you've done to push for it. Decriminalization means a lot of different things. I will give the definition that I think is the only really workable one. So currently in our drug policies, you have a charge that is possession. And then what schedule the substance you have in your possession is determines the maximum penalty that you're able to get from being in possession of that substance. And so decriminalization is basically making it so that the possession of a drug is not in and of itself a crime. Selling drugs, that's still illegal, and that's a different, broader question than the current decriminalization movement. At its heart, decriminalization is taking away a strategy from the police and from the criminal justice system to put people who use drugs in prison or in other coercive circumstances, which I would include mandatory treatment as a coercive circumstance. 
In terms of like what CSSTP has done, I think we've primarily just worked a lot with other organizations. We've partnered quite a bit with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition. We helped edit a statement, I believe, by the HIV Legal AIDS Network around cities bringing in decriminalization of simple possession. I'm hoping that we will be able to do some sort of campaign that will be around decriminalization as a national board sometime in the near future. But we haven't really had the opportunity yet to really lead on a project like that. And COVID-19 is also one of the big barriers that's made that a bit challenging. In more of like a general sense, I think CSSDP, when we're talking about decriminalization, one of the biggest things I think we've done as a grassroots organization is spreading knowledge. Because I think when it comes to discussions like decrim and advocating for decriminalization, you have to share this education, this knowledge about what it means. Because I feel like a lot of students, you know, when I first moved here, my knowledge around this was very patchy. And I think CSSDP provides this great resource for people to understand what decriminalization means. Because I think with movements like this and advocating for decriminalization of drugs, on a personal level, you have to understand what it means. When it comes to conversations like this, it's always quite a taboo subject to bring up with your friends. Well, my friends are back home anyway. I feel like to understand decriminalization from how I learned was to understand what plays into drug use. There's so many reasons, you know, you can't ever summarize that. But I think once you understand what drug use is, what it means to people, it's a lot easier to transition into the argument of decriminalization. Going straight into that without breaking it down and helping people understand the root causes or some of the root causes of why people use drugs, it's hard to convince them to see why decriminalization is a really great option. People blame individual reasons for why people use drugs, and it makes it very difficult to transition into the decriminalization topic. I feel like whenever you're having a conversation with someone and it's on a topic where there's a lot of background stigma or discrimination that's associated with that topic, you have to try and find a point where you can kind of agree first. And how I would talk to that person would depend on where we actually do agree. It's really like finding that common ground with someone and seeing like where the tension actually is and then kind of talking it through with them. Just to add one bit to that, maybe the challenge to this question is that I, I think CSSDP for the past couple of years has been trying to get its feet back on the ground. For organizations, it can be really challenging. Like we don't have any staff members. It's all volunteer board members for the most part. We do have the Get Sensible people who are working just on the Get Sensible project. We have staff in that sense, but otherwise it's an entirely volunteer run organization. And so right now we're just in a moment where we have the capacity to be able to lead on projects like this and maybe do something even more than around decriminalization. I think our best stories are yet to be told, as it were. Most often when I hear about activism and organizing challenging unjust drug laws, a lot of it is quite directly tied to street contexts. Things like safe injection sites and overdose prevention sites and that kind of harm reduction work. So talk about the importance of doing this work and talking about these issues specifically in student contexts. Why is that an important component of the overall movement challenging unjust drug laws? The reason we go for students is they're the next generation. We can provide this knowledge and we're starting early. We're, we're relearning the process and providing a new strategy and approach for people who are going to be the next generation of politicians or of law enforcement or any frontline work. It's an interesting question. It's actually one that I ask myself quite a bit. 
And I don't know if it's student politics in particular that is necessarily the ground that this needs to be fought on. I wonder sometimes maybe if it should just broadly be a youth-based coalition of both students and also non-students. I think also, though, there's this kind of assumption about drug policy activism that you have to be like a person who uses drugs or you have to face this particular experience of violence in order to be in support of ending it. And, you know, I over the years, I've met several people who are very interested in things like decrim or legalization that are not people that use drugs. And I see that student level advocacy as a means by which students can talk to what is a fundamentally unethical and unjust system. Like, I don't think you have to be a person that uses supervised injection facilities, needs safe supply to be an advocate for it. Part of student movements is that they can recognize these general injustices and work to support the folks who have that lived experience. And some of the students do have that experience. People come from multiple different backgrounds and lived experiences and going into university or, you know, join like a youth movement. But the importance there is that this is a fundamentally unjust system and it helps exacerbate other forms of oppression and students, young people, well, and non-youth, we really need to push these things through to make a better world. We've talked today mostly about the organization, but maybe to end, I'd like to hear from each of you what elements of policy change you personally would be most eager to see. I honestly like decriminalization. It's a very broad change, and with that, it encompasses a lot of other specific details. But I guess, because I do a lot of work in harm reduction, like frontline work, and I think better policies that don't include law enforcement, if I'm being honest. Because as soon as there's any form of enforcement involved, it just pushes people away from support and wanting to access support. And I think a lot of places' approaches when it comes to harm reduction and policies, I think we need to include more Indigenous knowledge and voices and people in discussions like this when it comes to policy change. I personally see decriminalization, I think it is really good. It'll help address some harms. It'll help make people's lives easier. But I think at the same time, we also have to think that prohibition, the war on drugs, is not just a Canadian phenomenon. It doesn't just happen here. It's an international regime. And there are so many people in the global south who are negatively impacted by our drug laws and the drug laws that we enforce on them. So I'd like to see us start imagining better or different relations to these substances like throughout the entire supply chain, you know, a legalization campaign and not just a legalization of psychedelics or plants, but something that really takes into account that this is like an international regime of violence and we need to stand in solidarity with the folks who are harmed by our bad drug laws who don't necessarily live in Canada. We need to start thinking along those international lines as part of our activism. You have been listening to my interview with Mary Kelly and Alex Bestas of Canadian Students for Sensible Drug Policy. To learn more about the organization or to find out how you can get involved, go to cssdp.org. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to TalkingRadical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.